here to steal your hearts and your mail. It's Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar fence. Listen to them talking to Mike. Tweakers in the Telestial Kingdom. In the mm-hmm. Telestial? In the Telestial Kingdom. Is this, that a- this is this is the, the new proposed title for the podcast, Tweakers in the Telestial Kingdom. That way we're not using Method anymore. Mm. Tele- are you making that word up right now? I wish I was making this word up. There are three degrees of glory. There are three kingdoms of God. They're like, so we don't really believe in heaven and hell. Uh, we have, we believe in these three different heavens and the lowest, the lowest one is telestial. And that is where murderers and whores and tweakers go. Okay. So there's no hell. Not really. No, but, but there's Satan. Where does Satan live? Satan lives in outer darkness. (laughs) He doesn't. He doesn't really have a kingdom, okay? He lives in outer darkness with the sons of perdition, which are the third of the host of heavens who followed him out of heaven in the very beginning, and anyone who has had, like, uh, like direct contact with, what's it called? I don't know. Anyone who, like, who completely turns against the Holy Ghost. Someone who's like had, I like, understand. direct confirmation of God, of his existence, and then they denounce God they become a son of perdition and go to outer darkness. It's very hard to get to hell. It's very, very hard. As long as you don't denounce God after having seen him face to face, you can do drugs and kill people and prostitute. and all. Then why and were you so lame? Because I wanted to go to the celestial kingdom. So celestial's the top, and like you only get to the celestial kingdom by making all these covenants, and only at the tippity top of the celestial kingdom, these select few people then get to become gods with their own worlds. Which tell me that doesn't sound cool. Yeah. You get to make your own planet, and you yeah. get a and you get to be god. That sounds great. That's I'll I'll skip some parties. Uh, Wouldn't it be funny to find out that you are a god, but that you have to do the exact opposite? Of what Mormonism teaches you. Yeah. Uh, hold on, though. No wonder you like sci-fi. That's what it sounds like you're explaining the plot to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I've never seen Lord of the Rings, but I just was like, my eyes were glazing over like when people talk about it. Uh, well, uh, yeah, Let's. Uh, I think that uh, Lord of the Rings is not about three different heavens, <laughs> but... <laughs> I uh they weren't rings get, of heaven. I <laughs> and then there was this one ring of heaven to rule them all. I've heard I've seen the trailers, Aaron. Anyway, that's not what we're gonna talk about today. Uh no, we're gonna talk about my favorite topic. Divorce. It is your favorite topic. I'm gonna build a career out of it, I think. So I left the Mormon church and then my wife left me not in the order like things like that usually go I feel like a lot of Mormons like one of them leaves the church and then their spouse leaves them like chooses the church over them right which is similar to 
Which you just, you were just telling me last night that like relationships that were that started in addiction rarely make it. Once. I feel like when you build a foundation in a relationship, and then I realized I was talking to your Mormon friends who right, yeah. But for the Wait, most yeah, part, yeah, that was they were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put that together because I was so focused on myself. I was like, damn, Jessa, that's a powerful lesson that's true for every single person. Yeah. And my Mormon married friends are sitting there like, oh. But they seem to like, okay, so your friends were talking about how they were in a Facebook, a Mormon Facebook, ex-Mormon Facebook group. And how everyone from the group, they've, they've all just started fucking each other. Like they all have open marriages now because they want to experience all these things they didn't get to get to experience because they got married too young. And I think that when your life... And they're also just, they're ready for their own marriages to end. Right. They don't love each other. Right. And, but they are holding on. Right. With their fingernails, which I totally understand. I did that. And so they're like, well, just, you know, maybe open marriage is the, is the answer. Yeah. And nothing against open marriage. I think, uh, uh, whatever relationship you're in can work. It just can't be uh, a lie. Like you can't just be lie. you when you actually want to leave each other, yeah. but instead are going to start fucking other people. That's going to fail every single time. Right. So I wonder though, if it's that, well, I, I can almost guarantee it is that, but then also just. Uh, what if you do enjoy being married to the person you've been married to, but it's like, I never got to fuck anyone else. Yeah. So my first marriage was a disaster primarily because, well, because we were teenagers, but then also because, um, I married someone who never got to sow his wild oats. Never. He was like a virgin when, uh, we got together and there was this whole world he hadn't explored and experiences. I think you need to fuck a certain amount of people before you get married. I think that. For the most part, if you if people didn't know us and were uh, and we were like, yes, I'm the former Mormon and she's the former drug addict. Uh, guess which one of us got married younger? Yeah. <laughs> guess which one of us had a baby uh, by twenty? Yeah. And, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, like I, yeah. all of my friends, it blows their mind how young I got married. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's so weird that I got married at 22. And then you're, you're like, yeah. So when I was 17 and married, yeah. I was like, oh my, oh my God. That was my first divorce was I got married when I was 16 because I got pregnant by a pastor's kid. Nice. And uh, so we just went to the hitching post in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Have you done a show in Coeur d'Alene? I have done a show it's in like Coeur d'Alene. Right, yeah. Where's and the hitching post? It is this little shack. If you go in and get your marriage license in the building. And then you go directly across the street and it's this wooden, weird wooden shack. I mean, this is like 93. A lot of wooden shacks yeah, left. Yeah, you were four. Around. Yeah. And uh, I was seven. I, was seven. I, I You were seven. I know how to do math. I'm not the guy from last night. Guys, this guy from last night <laughs> <laughs> did not. He asked this woman how old she was and she was like, I'm 37. And he was like, okay, well, here's the thing I'm going to tell you. He's trying to do math in his yeah. head right now. You can see he's like, sometime in the 80s, <laughs> your dad forgot to pull out. And like, that's the punchline <laughs> he's trying to get to. And me and Jessa both turned to each other and we're like, sometime yeah. in the 80s? Maybe in sometime in 80. Maybe in the first half of 1980. <laughs> and then later he was, he's, <laughs> this guy was like, my, my car's a 1991 Pontiac. And he's like, 91? I wasn't even born yet. And we're like, dude. You are 34. <laughs> you were absolutely born before 91. I think he was like 25. He though. was not. He Weather. was not. 
He's very. He looks awful for twenty five. Yeah. I th- well, he obviously he. Maybe City it's miles. All the, it's all the scratching. This dude had a just. He scratched. His, just anyway. constantly during his set. Just uh, would not. He had a bad uh, case of beard lice. And just. <laughs> that's. I wish. I whispered to Jess. I was like, "Is he on something, or does he just have beard lice?" And she was like, "He he snorted Adderall in the green room. I saw him." <laughs> Uh, all right, so then we went to the hitching post. I had morning sickness. I got married with a, a sub from Subway in my hand, and I was wearing a flannel. This That's... was like Nirvana, and you know it was like grunge era, so I was wearing like baggy jeans and a flannel. Did you ever try to get free subs from Subway? Like you got in '93, if someone got married, uh, like in twenty, I don't know, twenty thirteen, with a sub in their hand, they would have been on BuzzFeed, and they would have yeah. like bit like tweeting at subway i feel like at the hitching post there's a lot of people eating while they're getting married but i threw up in the trash can at the hitching post Uh, it's not a good commercial for subway and then there was this joke because we used like my grandmother's ring and it was so big that if i moved my hand it would come off and i remember the guy that married us say did you put some glue on that ring like during the ceremony and i was like no no it's fine as long as i don't do this i was so like loud and crass and just like not feminine at all when i was young was as opposed to now was (laughs) I'm very feminine now compared to that. Oh, no, I just, yeah, but you're not quiet. <laughs> what? Um, Guys, there are times in the car when like, we're just like, <laughs> there's a lull in the conversation and it just starts talking again <laughs> at an unreasonable volume and I just jump and like, I try to jump out, like my whole body tries to fly out the window because it's just like we finish, we kind of trail off on the sentence and we're like, yeah. Then we drive quietly for like a, and she's like, so hey, I was thinking. When I get excited when I'm talking, I get increasingly louder. Well, I also think you just need, you need uh, something like in the room to, to, to judge your volume by. And so if it's a completely, if no one else is talking, that's when you're in trouble. You always go way too loud. Like when you can hear other people, like. You can be like an I alien who assimilates, <laughs> like just like this is how people talk. Great, but when no one else is there, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> Dogs are weird. <laughs> oh, cool. So this is just gonna be a podcast, like every other conversation we have. Anyway, <laughs> so then I said. Uh, He said you put some glue on that ring, which fuck you for your shitty uh, Hallmark bullshit. So then I said, no, no, it's fine as long as I don't do this. And I shook my hand and threw the ring across the room, which was probably an omen. And then I think he tried to carry me across the threshold. Um, Dustin did? mm Mm-hmm. And then but like, even I just threw up. Like, oh, just our whole honeymoon oh, okay. was just me throwing up and eat, like I, I, we ate a whole pizza Nice. And then I just threw up. You're the only person I've ever met to that has a worse honeymoon than me. Is we you got a bad honeymoon? Well, we got married. We didn't throw up. We just spent it in Boise. That was <laughs> oh yeah, Coeur d'Alene's worse than Boise for uh, sure. I well, I don't know. I think I, if you had a choice, definitely go to Coeur d'Alene. But like, just as far as honeymoons go, ours was only we got married in the middle of a semester. Uh, so we got like married on a Friday, and our honeymoon was Saturday and Sunday, and we just spent it at like. The Hampton Inn honeymoon suite in Boise, Idaho, because What'd it had get? a room looking out on the temple 
that we were sealed in. God. And then we just learned to have sex all weekend. We just tried. <laughs> I always was like fascinated by that idea of not having sex until marriage and just like, because uh, I lost my virginity at 14 to a dude. God, oh my God. I thought, I was so glad you put a teen after, la- after you said six <laughs> in the last episode. I don't know why my heart jumped again. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I was only smoking pot then. I think, and it's awkward and horrible. And then I thought, but is it so great when you're already in love and you just got married? Or is it still awkward and horrible? Oh, it's awkward and horrible. Okay. It's so awkward, just, it's it's awkward and awkward. horrible. You should. I think I would not recommend waiting until you are married. I'd say that you can, repl- I feel like, wait for someone that you're in love with. And that's really fun. Because, but you can replicate that without getting married. But I mean, it was beautiful and awesome to get married and then come back to the hotel room and a lot of sexual tension there, a lot of just pent up waiting. Yeah. And then to just like slowly undress each other and look at each other naked for the very first time. And I mean, that was that all seems awesome. That is that is awesome. But then it just it hurt like everything after that. It's just like very uncomfortable. Yeah. Nothing feels good. Nobody comes. And you have to, you have a lot of, you got a lot of research to do. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I would have had to get married in like sixth grade in order to, (laughs) (laughs) but I waited to get married until 10th grade or what would have been 10th grade. Just hopefully everyone who listens to this is like, as long as I'm somewhere between Jessa and Aaron, (laughs) I'll feel like a normal person. (laughs) Yeah, there is two uh, two extremes here. So that marriage ended. He told me um, it was just bad. Like he kept cheating on me and because he needed, you know, he hadn't sown his wild oats. And then he had a lot of like, I got, Please I gained a bunch of weight. saying that. I didn't say anything the first time. Why? So, so is wild oats. Are you not familiar with that figure of speech? I am familiar with that figure okay. of speech. Is it dated? Maybe. It's just, uh, I, don't, I just that's don't like think what I told myself. I just don't think I've ever been a crying. fan of the. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> just like, he's sowing his wild oats into that chick named Amber. <laughs> he's sowing them Amber, all over her face. Chemo Amber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So Amber, Amber was the first girl he cheated on me with. First, he started going to strip clubs. Never forget you first. First, he started going to strip clubs, and we lived in Portland, so there was like eighteen and older. There was one called uh, Fuck. What was that called? So he started going. God, to strip it's clubs. it's hard to like. I'm glad your husband who is cheating on you is not yet twenty one. He is. Yeah. A, no. Yeah. This is it. Like this is. So he was two or three years older than me. He was th- He was nineteen when we got married. I was sixteen. Okay. I turned seventeen shortly after, and then um, I gained a bunch of weight while I'm pregnant, and he starts going. But he had a lot of the same. Like had already had a bunch of issues with getting caught watching porn and jerking off. Like all that stuff was shamed in Christianity, and so f- to a certain extent, getting married solved should have solved in theory a lot of these problems because then he had an outlet sexually. And we were exactly what you would expect when you put two teenagers with the freedom to do. Because in Christianity, you can go balls to the wall sexually. It sounds like Mormonism. You guys just were really lame sexually. If, as long as you were married, you could do whatever you wanted. We read about it. We mm. would So we were living with his parents at first, and his dad was like a pastor and did a lot of like marriage counseling and stuff. We used to steal all his books about sex so we could research and like bookmark them at like anal and then forget about him under our bed. And then his mom would be cleaning our room because we were children. And <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Can you imagine what that was I like? I remember, like, on like One Tree Hill, 
people were getting married. And I was like, this is unrealistic. How would two teenagers ever get married and still live at home and their mom cleans their room for them? That would never happen. I can't even imagine how frustrating it was. I'm like six months pregnant with Nicole and we go and we spend all of our paychecks or his paychecks on like we bought hamsters and this this big because you read something about them in one of the books? No, 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 not just say what. We bookmarked this page in anal then we because we had to run out and go buy some hamsters. <laughs> While we were gone, she cleaned our room. Totally unrelated. You know, we were just kids. We were kids like teenagers with just teenager priorities. And she had to clean up after us and they paid most of our stuff and, and we wasted our, squandered our money on like weird pets, rodent pets and, and then big elaborate cages or not cages, but like trails thing. You could buy the hamsters of trails and then watch them run around. It's just, and I was like white trash, just complete trash. So we get our first apartment and he starts going to strip clubs. Uh, my body quickly was, uh, probably wasn't that great to start, but quickly my body got torn to shit with my first kid and then the first time he cheated on me I had gained 80 pounds when I was pregnant and this family was very like this whole like organization was very women should be hot and you know and I just wasn't and I looking back I was obviously super depressed and didn't know it and so the first time he cheated on me he dropped me off at church Uh, we were like super involved in this youth ministry then he was supposed to play the bass for praise and worship and he just never came back. And what had happened was he went to get gum at the like the little convenience store and he made a chick named Amber. Amber had brown hair, a tube dress on with sneakers and a floppy hat. She was wearing a floppy hat because half of her head was shaved. Her head was shaved because she just had a brain tumor removed. This is he mm. told me all this. Oh, because he never came back. He never came back that night. I had to hitch a ride home that night. He just was gone. This is before cell phones. So he just was gone. So when he came home, he uh, he would fall for all this, like, I already know what you did, so you might as well tell me, like, because <laughs> he was, like, Christian guilt, and because he was an idiot. Oh, gotta love that guilt. Oh, so he ends up spilling his guts and tells me that she had a brain tumor, and he took her down by the railroad tracks, and he fucked her, and then he dropped her off at an apartment in southeast Portland, and I just went completely unhit, like, I just snapped I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I was obsessed with finding Amber. And I was just driving around Southeast Portland. Are you pregnant right now? No. I oh, just had a baby. Had and a so baby. now I know that I suffer from severe uh, postpartum. postpartum depression for years. But I didn't know this until... I didn't really fully get a grasp of this until way later in life. So I think at this point, Nicole's like three months old, which is when it would be very extreme. But I, I had never been cheated on before. I had never had my heart broken before. This was the first time I was ever in love. And these are all like normal things that happen. The first time you get cheated on, there's like this paradigm shift where all of a sudden your brain wants to go back and look at every other everything that's ever happened in your life and then line it up with this new piece of information. And it's way worse if there was like an affair that was like going on for a while. So I drive around and I'm looking. I remember going to Starbucks or it wasn't Starbucks back then. It was but a different coffee place. And as they were handing me the coffee, the girl had short brown hair. And I remember being like, Amber. Then I remember that my mom's meth dealer from years ago <laughs> had a daughter named Amber. And she had brown hair. And I could totally see that bitch having a brain tumor. <laughs> so I go over to this house. Why? <laughs> I don't know. She just seems like... She, the brain tumor type? 
So I hadn't seen Amber. So I am 17. Maybe I'm 18. I'm se- between 17 and 18, which would have made Amber like 16. And I hadn't seen her since I was like 15 and she was 14. So I just roll up to this meth house. It's this fucking meth lab. And just I'm like, hey, Amber, long time no see. Want to come hang out with me? And she's like, uh, okay. And then I get her in my car. I take her back to my apartment. And I'm just like soft interrogating her. She has no idea what's happening. Hold on. Does this Amber, meth dealer's daughter Amber, uh-huh. when you pick her up, does she have a shaved head? No. Oh, okay. Part of me needed to know if that part was true. That doesn't, I don't understand that. He like thought, point. he thought it might make uh, it sound better if he was like, I listen, felt I like, cheated on you, but she. I felt like by telling it, me that. It was her make a wish. Uh, <laughs> she. Uh, I felt like telling me that detail would throw me off the scent of all Ambers whose heads weren't shaped. Oh, very, very clever. Okay. Okay. So I did I'm forget this totally part. using this. Yes. Totally I did forget this. this part. When the, when I was growing up, there was a sniper in DC and everyone was looking for him, but someone said that he was driving like a white box truck and, or like a, 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 a unmarked white van. That was the car that they were looking for. And everywhere we went for weeks, you would just see every single white. All of the D.C. metro area was just paranoid. All and looking at white vans everywhere. Oh, yeah. I remember my dad and I went to a gas station. And there was a white van parked uh, like across the street. And then we just went because people had been shot at a gas station. Right. And then it wasn't. It wasn't a white van at all. It was just like a oh, red car. That's slick. It was not it was a just, shaved head. No, exactly. Yeah. So, throw him off the scent. So I did forget this part. Right before we got married, we did acid for a week straight. Uh, this is when which I, which is why you forgot that part. This is when I conceived. Uh, Nicole was during a one week long acid trip, and at one point, I'd be. I you, you can imagine how annoying I would be by three days in acid i didn't even want to be around myself but i became uh super annoying and he ends up running away to spokane with my best friend and when he comes back from that trip he tells me that he didn't fuck her and like they decided that i would believe whatever i wanted to believe which was true and then while he was fucking me that night he said he called me by her name holy shit and that's the night i conceived my daughter oh my god um we conceived Nicole that night and uh, we get back together. And so then we are, I'm like six months pregnant when he admits when I do that, I already know what, I already know what you did. You might as well tell me. I would just randomly say that when I felt like having a night of <laughs> fucking emotional something. Anyway, so that was the first cheating was I had to process that when we were already married. So Amber was the second. So anyway, I'm sitting here. I'm soft interrogating this Amber chick. She really wants to leave, you know, and I'm just like, well, hold on. I want you to meet my husband. Have you already met my husband? You know, just like so creepy. And then when he came home, I was like, do you remember Amber? And he was just like, oh, my God. And I think that that was the first glimpse he got in how crazy, completely fucking insane I am. And over the course of the next few years, uh, I catfished him back when it, the internet was web TV. I'm sorry. What do you mean? When, back when the internet was web TV? Actually, we don't. Yeah, we don't, no, it's fine. Anyway, so Back we, when bongs had holes in them <laughs> and internet was on the TV. 
So that divorce, I'm sure we'll get into more of what happened in that marriage later, but that divorce took place when he told me that no wife of mine is going to be doing stand-up comedy. After I won my first comedy competition and got paid work, like four weeks into doing comedy, I was a professional comedian, and he said, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't want to like pissing your Cheerios while you were doing all this, but like the, this is over now. Like no wife of mine is going to be doing stand-up comedy. And I was like, deal. <laughs> you want the cat? <laughs> and I left that night. So that was my first divorce and I was just fine. Oh, good for you. Yeah, Wonderful. I, was just... I wasn't. No? <laughs> no, I had a very public and prolonged meltdown <laughs> from, my, from my divorce. I was married and I was happy and I had no idea that she wasn't. And No when, idea? Not really. I don't know. I knew that we struggled, that we had some arguments, that we, but I, I never considered that like we weren't ever going to make it. It was just stuff we were working through, you know, this is part of growing up and oh. I, and I never stopped loving her. So I loved her so much. Even if we weren't getting along, I loved her and I felt that she felt the same way. And then one day she told me that I made her miserable and that's hard to recover from. And then we took a trip, which I thought was going to be great. It was like way for us to get away from each other. How long after she told you that you made her miserable? She told me that I made her miserable on New Year's Day on January 1st. And this was May. This was the first week of May. And no part of you was bracing for... Every single part of me was denying that something bad was... Every part of me was certain that... I was like, this is a good wake-up call. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to make my wife happy. I'm going to change. I'm going to start going to therapy and stop being so depressing to be around. And uh, I'm going to do anything she wants me to do, which I was. I was doing a lot of changes, and I thought for sure this is going to we're going to get through this. And then in, in May I had this work in the Pacific Northwest, like Nampa, Salem, Spokane. And that meant we could drop Ethan off in Boise. And then, uh, with the grandparents, not just drop him off, yeah. drop him off with <laughs> his grandparents. And then we have, a, we have this nice little trip to ourselves to be alone, which I felt like we needed. And it was going to be a great little trip. And then like two hours into the drive, she brings up a trial separation and I was like, Holy Oh shit. my God. Oh my God. And so we do this, we talking about it, but by the end of the trip, I'm like begging, I'm like, please let's not do, I don't want to do this trial separation. But with the last night of the trip was in Spokane and I had an amazing night with her. Just amazing. And we had amazing sex or I felt like I disappeared inside of her and just, it was amazing, and I thought we fixed it. I was absolutely right. All we needed was this trip to Spokane, <laughs> and everything will be great because I didn't know what breakup sex was yet. I had no oh. idea. You know, I thought this was makeup sex. Like yeah. this is like next level. We are in love with each other, sex. But it was goodbye sex because the first oh. thing. So I went to sleep thinking we fixed it, and then I wake up in the morning, and the first words she says to me are. Well, I think I'm going to leave on Wednesday. And oh my God. then we that day we had to drive from Spokane to Boise. And I cried the almost the entire way. Just, just the most pitiful, sad car ride. 
we made it back to my parents' house in Boise. I begged her, I begged her, begged her not to go. I begged, begged her, and she was like, okay. But then the next day I found, like, she was chatting with these guys on OkCupid and stuff. And I was like, I thought you just said, like, what? And then I remember, oh, God, this is just such a, there's these little tiny details. They're just, they don't make sense, but it was just so painful at the time. I read a message that she had written to a guy on OkCupid, which, by the way, not hacking into this. (laughs) OkCupid is left open on the laptop, like our shared laptop. Oh, my God. And I can just, like, read all of her messages. And she was like, she said, yeah, I, I got, I was even... She said something. She was like telling the guy that she was already divorced, and and which she wasn't. <laughs> I'm right here, I'm right here. And then she was like, "Yep, even got married in the temple." LOL. And that LOL was just, it was painful. Mm. That I was like, she's laughing out loud about our marriage. And like I get, like, and we talked about. It. She was like, I mean, I was laughing at the fact that I was so Mormon. I'd gotten married in the temple. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I get that, but like, that's not. All I read was just like just capital L, capital O, capital oh, L man. about this marriage. And so she did leave on Wednesday. She took our car and she left Boise and drove to Portland where she had already matched with a dude on Tinder when we were, had just been there together. Holy shit. So when we were driving, in fact, she was. So the whole trip she was doing Tinder. She did Tinder in the car next to me as we were driving to Spokane. She was Tindering next to me. And I was like, could you please not do that next to me? And she was like, oh, sorry. And put it away. And then told me that she was like, I've been talking to this guy that I matched with when we were in Salem. And I'm going to meet him for drinks Wednesday night in Portland. And I begged her not to. I begged her not to go. And then she was like, no, I'm still going to go. And then I remember in the driveway begging her not to go on that date. And she was like, okay, I don't know if I will or not. Like, I don't know if I really want to. And I was like, please don't, please don't, please don't. She did. She did. It's just weird. The things also still she's gone, but on our laptop, if I type in, okay, Cupid, like she's still signed in. Right. Oh my God. I can keep, so the, she's gone. I'm still at my parents' house and I'm just like, looking at the new pictures that she's added, which she's taken in her Portland hotel room. Like she's take, she's just spending all night in her Portland hotel room, taking selfies to <sighs> add to her dating profile. And I'm just losing my mind. Oh I my am God. 17 year old Jessa. <laughs> Apparently I've, oh. I've got, and I just, I go nuts. I remember taking our son to a park and just staring off into the distance and just like, unable to think about anything i remember that day my son was the only time i checked in was when i i finally paid attention and and he was like following some other kid and their dad around and like i felt like the vibe i was getting from the dad was like would you please play with your kid because (laughs) i'm trying to play with mine like i didn't come here to play with your kid and so i was like ethan Come over here. Let's let's leave them alone. And he said, no, I want to play with this daddy. <laughs> and I was just, I was like, you're, you're just like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> you're just. 
you also wish I was someone else. You also can just quickly jump onto the next man in Idaho. Oh my god. And uh that's when that was the start of my divorce. The divorce wouldn't be final until uh like a year and a half later. And it was awful and heartbreaking. It was the first time I'd ever had heartbreak because she was the first girl I ever loved and you know, first real relationship I ever had. I never had to deal with being dumped like that. I never had to deal with a breakup. I didn't have the tools. So here I am uh, 30 and I should have, I should be better at this by now, but I'm not. This is my very first time. It was my first rodeo and I lost my mind. I had a pretty fun meltdown. I think here's the thing. I do acknowledge like there are things that I wish I could have done better, but then at the same time, fuck you guys do a better job at this divorce than I did. Cause I feel like I handled this pretty well considering I'm like, I know that to you guys, me commenting on her Facebook, uh, <laughs> looks, looks petty and, and crazy. But to me, I think it looks like a, pretty hilarious outlet for anger um as your facebook friend i thoroughly appreciated your morning process it was some of my best work fantastic she changed her profile picture and this guy who she had been on a couple trips with who i already didn't like he was another photographer uh he she post she posted a new profile picture and then he commented gorgeous Ugh, get back into my life already and then i replied to his comments <laughs> and i said yeah tell me about it how long did it take her to block you i actually would use this as evidence for her being not a terrible person she i think was ready to block me instantly because she also knew that that's how breakups have to work yeah you know but she knew that I would have lost my, like I, it just would have broke me. Yeah. But she, she, un, she deleted or hid or untagged or whatever, all of our photos immediately. And that hurt me so bad where I was like, why are you? So now I just didn't even happen. Yeah. Like you As were so many people do. You that were never, breakouts. you were never breakouts. married when they have acne all over their face. <laughs> They're like, I'm going to delete all these bad photos of me. And it's like, what, you never had a blackhead? You're just erasing that part? I no, maybe. but I just was like, I mean, I don't even delete. When I come back on like anniversaries of, of really hacky, unfunny jokes I made, yeah. I don't delete them because I do have a sense of self-punishment, I guess. Where I'm I like, don't. Where I'm like, that was you and you need to own it. Yeah. That you wrote that in 2011 and you need to... Don't be embarrassed by how dumb you used to yeah. be. I don't and, delete them because that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but here she was gold. deleting wedding photos and stuff. And she was the photographer. So she had almost all of our photos taken. Oh, no. And then I was like, and I was like, those are my memories. Those are mine. And you just t- took them away. And so I felt like when I reacted like that, she was like, all right, so maybe I can't unfriend this dude. Yeah. Yet. So she, she, it took her a while to block me. It took her a while. And first she just unfriended me and then was like, I'm going to do the full on block yeah. from here on Are you out. still blocked? Oh, definitely. I haven't checked in a while. Every now and then I used to check. <laughs> still blocked. All right. Uh, but no, I'm definitely, definitely still blocked. It's okay. I've got friends who aren't and they give me updates. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to get to the point where you guys can tag each other in pictures of 
uh, your son and stuff. <sighs> I can't. Uh, I don't think that's. I don't. Really? Why would I tag? First of all, why don't tag people? And anyway, no, I don't see that happening. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was rough. It was hard. And I feel like I'm only just now coming out of it. How long? Now it's 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 months? been it's been two years since she told me she was miserable. Okay. And this this May will be the first time uh, will be the two year anniversary of the day that that it was that she left. But uh, we weren't divorced until last October, right before Big Sky. Okay. I was uh, I was in I was in like Missoula or something. Hmm. Uh, waiting for Chris Catan to find a dentist who would fix his broken tooth. Your oh, so your um, your divorce became final the day before Bozeman. I met you. Yeah. Well, the re met you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, they even sent me an email that has like the exact timestamp on it to the second, which I felt was unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> that they were like at yeah. at eleven sixteen and twenty eight seconds. Your heart died, and now you can. How did you take? How did you take that? It was that same day. It was the same day I got the text from the girl that said, "Never text me again, please," and that I had done Molly the night before. Oh yeah. I was just. I was in a real sad spot that day. I was just like, oh. Yeah. God, it's weird. I remember all this, but it seems so weird. This has been a busy few months. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how much, I mean, there's so, I have, you know me, I have so much to say about divorce, but she started dating people immediately. She found another like serious boyfriend, uh, within a, within a few months or something. Did she find him on Tinder? She did. And she lied about it. She told, she told me that they met at a party through a mutual friend or something, which was sort of true, but it's not, they met on Tinder and uh, talked with each other there. And then later uh, she met him at a party of another dude who I think she fucked. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then uh, immediately introduced my son to him. <laughs> immediately. Anyhow, we can get into that in our co-parenting episode that we'll do. Yeah. I don't know. I hold all these different thoughts simultaneously. I think that she was very good to me and also totally awful. There was just certain things that she did that I still haven't, I don't feel like forgiving her for, Yeah. but there, there are more and more things. So I, while I haven't forgiven those things, I've become more and more conscious of other things she did that were nice to me. Yeah. Where I was like, wow, you really put up with a lot. You, you were there when I wanted to call you in the middle of the night and yell at you, you know, you, during the divorce process. Yeah. I mean, just like she, she had been thinking about it for years and had really, was really ready to move on. And I needed to talk about it for months still. Like she yeah. just was like, I'm gone. I'm gone. And I'm like, how are you gone already? Like, let me fight for you. Let me, what about this? What about that? Well, I'm angry about this. And how can, you know, I had a lot of stuff that I yeah. wanted to say. And she was, a. Uh, uh, nice enough to uh, put down the personality tests for a minute. <laughs> Guys, she told me when she came back from Portland, she came back from Portland eventually, 
and uh, I was like waiting up for her so we could talk and, and she got there really late and I was like why did it take you so long to get here and she's like well I stopped at a rest area uh, and did, took some personality tests and um, <laughs> I'm positive that we shouldn't get back together like, what that was your trial separation was Portland trial separation lasted three days <laughs> trial separation was three days Oh, she's trying to ease you in yep and i was like just say i was like we're not doing a trial separation if there's not a chance that we're not getting back together again is there a chance oh yeah because i was like i was like let's make some rules for the if we're going to be trially separated let's lay some ground rules okay number one we're not going to date anybody (laughs) i was like i if we could be separated but we're not just going to go out and start fucking people immediately i feel like we should we should say we're just gonna live apart in the beginning we're not gonna date people and she said uh well for how long and i was like well i mean how long do you want this trial to be and like let's do you want to say let's say three months and uh, how about 7 p.m uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's say three months and we come back in three months and then we can decide if we want to change the rules or not and she was like i i don't want to promise you something and then, uh, like, what if I don't want to, she was like, I'm hesitant to promise something. She's like, I'm not planning on dating anyone. That's what she said. No, I'm not planning on dating anyone well, for dating three months. Well, dating and are different. I'm not planning on dating anyone for three months. But if that happens, like, I don't want to have promised you that I wouldn't. And I was like, no, but that's like, that's the exact, that's what a promise is, though. <laughs> It's like, even if you decide that you do want to do it, you go, oh, but I made a promise that I wouldn't, so I won't. And she was like, well, I don't want to do that. And I said, is there any chance that, like, are we actually getting divorced or is this just a trial separation? And she was like, I am done. I want to leave you. And that was three days later. And she came home and she was like, listen, I know that we shouldn't be married anymore because I took this witch saved by the bell character. (laughs) Are you... Quiz, and I am Kelly Kapowski, and you are Screech, uh, and I just know for a fact we shouldn't be married, so I'm gonna leave. Uh, but there were lots of there were lots of things that she did that were that were nice to me, and that I think she's never gotten divorced either, and she's handling things her own way. But it's just. I hate it. I still hate it. I hate that we're not friends. I hate that it feels like she hates me, that it feels like she wants me to be a villain, even though I do the same thing to her. I think I, I need her to be the bad guy so that I don't, so that I have someone to direct my righteous indignation towards. Yeah. But we used to, she was my best friend, my only friend for years. I didn't make other friends because we were happy just hanging out together. Yeah. We just did everything together. I think the word for that is uh, codependency. Yeah, I was going to say. But at the time, that felt just like love. I thought that's what I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought my wife was supposed to be my best friend. And so, and, and then she was just gone. She was just gone and had no more love for me. And it was just obvious. And it was just like, I begged her to come back. I would say things and be like, how could you do that? And then just realize over and over and over again i was like oh yeah she can do that because she does not feel the same way about you man you keep thinking that she feels some way about you but she doesn't she doesn't give a shit and it's 
devastating. Oh. Devastating. I don't think I've ever... I'm so quick to bounce. I don't think I've ever been left. Sounds terrible. She's never... My, my wife has still to this day never been like dumped, I don't think. Well, she's only been in the game for a minute. Well, yeah. She, I mean, she at least had dated people before me. Oh. I never had. She broke up with a dude while he was on his mission so she could marry me, actually. She oh, like, really? She, like, wrote this. It's called Dear John Letters. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, missionaries get all the time. All, all these missionaries are always leaving with their girlfriends at home. They're going to wait two years yeah. of their sexual prime yeah. to, uh, <laughs> while they're, well, like, and just wait for them. And uh, she, like, wrote this dude, like, he was like, bye, baby, will you wait for me? And she was like, yeah, definitely. 14 <laughs> days later, she's like, dear John. <laughs> About that. I met this really tall, handsome, freckly guy who makes me miserable. <laughs> Fuck me, man. This makes me sad. <laughs> hey, let's... Uh, what about your recent divorce, Jess? Um, well, I'm not getting divorced, but I think we're doing... You're going to try an open I'm, marriage? I'm going to try. I've done that. So I've been married for 10 years, and it's been awesome. Just amazing. Best relationship of my life. We're great partners, and um, it just uh, ran its course, I think, this year. And I did some fucked up shit. I guess I had I had some weird experiences that I didn't navigate correctly and then we just kind of grew apart quick and rather than letting it get we used to watch other people go through divorces and stuff and be like man we would crush that and we were already very good at like co-parenting we each brought a kid into the the marriage and uh we co-parented very well was with his, his also mom. conceived on an acid trip while saying uh, the wrong woman's name no his was conceived on meth which is kind of obvious if you watch him play video games. Um, what? His son. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about your husband. And I was like, I've never watched someone play video games and be like, that dude conceived a child <laughs> while on that. Although that's going to be like my new insult while I'm playing video games. You know? <laughs> You'd be like, dude, why you why you play Call of Duty like someone who conceived a kid on meth? <laughs> Um, so this is our plan. It's still all pretty new and stuff, but our plan is just to, um, I don't, I just, I just don't want to be in a relationship ever again. I don't think like, I don't want to be in one. Why? Why would you? No, I mean like, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I couldn't understand my wife getting right back into a relationship, mm -hmm. moving in with someone, acting like they're getting married. I was like, you, we just did that. And I'm never going to, I don't ever want to do it again. I think I might change my mind, but right now I'm like, did you know that like marriage isn't real like and that like people can just leave you and change their mind whenever they want why would i ever get into a relationship where i invest stuff when that person can just i feel like i might have some uh issues some uh, things to work you need through. to work through yeah but my, my angle is a little bit different so i that marriage was so great um we crushed it so hard and and we have kids together and i don't want to raise those kids with anyone else I only want to raise those kids with him. He and I make great partners. We just work well together. And I just don't, for me, I, I just want a lot of experiences. I want to fall in love. Like I want to be in love with people, but I don't want to have, I want, 
it's like I, I got into Christianity because I had this supernatural experience. And then once I got into the supernatural or once I got into Christianity, I it like sucked all the supernatural out. And that's what I feel like you fall in love and it's so great. And then you guys go into this contractual agreement where all of a sudden this person's responsible for your emotional needs and vice versa. And there's a million things you can get mad at each other for. And Jason and I were really good at like avoiding a lot of that stuff, but there's still, it comes down to like noise, nickels and numbers of like this partnership and everything else. And, um, I have that with him and I, I'm fine. And, and, and he's, he has someone in his life who I like, and uh, we all get along well, and I think we're going to work together well. And I like that everyone thinks we're not going to pull it off. That makes it more attractive to me. And I just <laughs> want to go love other people. And I just want my dream is to have five people scattered around America. And I just when I'm traveling and doing comedy, like I just I'm with my Midwest girlfriend this time, and I'm over here with my East Coast boyfriend. And they don't have to check all the boxes. They don't have to be all of the things I need someone to be because I can just love them for what they are and enjoy them while we're there. And there's no strings attached. And they can talk to me about the people that they're with. And I'm happy for them. And I'm sure there'll be feelings and stuff to navigate along the way and things to figure out. But I really honestly think like that is like, that's my, that's my dream life right now is just, I just want to have experiences with people and I don't want, I don't want to be tied down into anything. And well, that sounds great for you. <laughs> so like, I, I just think I'm, I think the whole idea, if you're not just building a family together, that makes sense, right? But so I have that person already. I have the person I'm building a family with. I don't want to okay, then yeah. go build, go live in separate houses and build that family. I would rather build it into a bigger family where his girlfriend lives with us and we just, we're just giving our kids a bigger family of people that love them. You're more Mormon than you think you are. Yeah. I, oh, I love polygamous shows. Like I watch all of the polygamous <laughs> shows and always was like, I would fucking crush as a sister wife. I love that kind of stuff. Why would you crush it being a sister wife? I would just be so good at it. I would be the first one, obviously. And if obviously. I wasn't the first one, I would be the main one. But like, I'm really good at like making people think that like, I really consider myself below them when I don't, when I'm like running the show, but they don't know it. I'm really good at that. What a superpower. <laughs> but I think, so I, you told your friends last night that like, so I don't know. I don't, I can't, I'm not divorced. I'm still wearing my wedding rings. We're doing this in really slow motion. This is well, actually the you first guys time are I've really talked about it, it publicly. You guys are crushing divorce. I don't have a fucking bad thing to say about him, and I don't. And I think it's mutual. I'm not even really like we haven't acknowledged it publicly. This will be the first time uh, we've acknowledged it publicly. This will probably come out a few weeks in a while. So, um, so I think it's like what the actress, the con the guy from Coldplay and Gwyneth Paltrow called it, like conscious uncoupling. Yes. Where it's like, we don't need this thing to go down in flames. You know what I mean? It really was the best marriage. So what a lot of people said to me was, um, like my, my sister was like, I just like your relationship was the standard that I set what a relationship should be. And now I don't know what to think. And I'm like, uh, you should think exactly that still because it was great. And then when it wasn't great, we didn't cling to the past 
and try to hold on to something. It just came in for a soft landing. Something being permanent doesn't make it a success any more than something not lasting forever makes it a failure. It wasn't a failure. I think a failure is eking out your existence doing anything that doesn't make you happy. If you're in a marriage that doesn't make you happy, you're not succeeding because you're staying in it. You're fucking afraid. You're afraid to make the decision that's going to be hard in the short term, but give you the life that you really want in the long term. So I think it's a complete fucking success that we did it as long as it was good. And then we didn't beat a dead horse when it, when it just had run its course. I just don't think everything has to last forever. You said a lot of things that, uh, I don't know, are making me reflect on, I mean, just the fact that you said just, just because something is permanent doesn't make it a success. And just because something is temporary doesn't make it a failure because maybe not in those words, but I feel like I always was led to believe, if not outright told, that a divorce is failure. Yeah. It's failure. It's yeah. a failed marriage is what it's called. Yeah. And Mormons too, we're not even we don't we talk about marriage and family all the time. And we talk about it in terms of eternity. For not just this life. We do not say we scoff at life uh, at uh, until death do us part because we're like, no way, man, we're not just going to be married for this life. How much how sad would that be to have death separate you from your true love? We're going to be married forever. And so you get sealed in the temple under God's priesthood authority and binds you through time and eternity. You guys are going to be together and you're going to be your own gods with with your own children and making your own planets for the rest of eternity. Jeez. And I didn't even make it like eight years <laughs> and I was a failure. I was a huge, huge, huge failure. I feel like, I mean, that's the only, that's holy shit. Just this, my whole, that's my whole frame of reference for the divorce. All I do is I think about the ways that I failed my wife I think about the things that I could have done better. I think about uh, the the mistakes that were made and all the all the bad feelings I have, especially towards my son. My like, I feel so guilty that I couldn't keep us together for him. Like, I feel like I failed him in so many. Like, I was just like I. When I made you and I brought, I pulled you out of the ether and into this world, I did it because I promised you that we, you were going to have a family. Like, I feel like I, I made all these promises to you. You were going to have a mom and a dad that, and you were going to grow up and have this life and the best life possible. And I didn't keep those promises. And that it's my fault. Hmm. I feel like I made your mom miserable and I didn't seek help and I didn't do this. And that's why your life is now different for the rest of your life. You're going to be uh, going back and forth between parents. You're going to be missing it. Like, and it's all my fault. I think that the thing that I said last night about people leave Mormonism. So a lot of times when people get sober, when someone gets sober in a marriage, the marriage falls apart because you have, these are different versions of yourself. So 22-year-old Aaron was this rule-abiding, you know, uh, this completely different version of yourself. And she was the partner for that path. And you stepped onto another path, and that other path involves a different partner for both of you. 
I was with you until you said different partner for, and I just then got mad at that dude again. <laughs> uh, um, her path is the path of douchebags. <laughs> uh what a anywho it's just hard uh to change your mindset yeah well especially when you i never thought about i never considered her anything other than permanent like i never thought of it like we're gonna go on this journey together for right now i felt like well i made a huge mistake in marrying her and i never should have done it because clearly mm. we weren't supposed to be together because look how it ended. God, that's how everyone looks at everything in life. And it's like, that doesn't even make any sense. Everything in life is just a series of mistakes that we learn from that become the foundation of the next great thing that happens in our life. So if you regret, like regret is such a ridiculous concept because everything that's good in your life, if you look back, was built on a foundation of something that you would call a mistake. So by believing in mistakes, you are, you are. That makes sense. I just wish that it made me feel better. Like I thought yeah. like right now I'm sitting here going like, I, I, I'm like, I want to have this, this epiphany. Like everything you're saying is making me think in a different way. And I feel like my heart shouldn't be hurting right now. Like I should just be, I wish I was immediately happy. Like I heard you say that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Everything's built on it. So of course. But I still just, it takes a lot to change that mindset, I guess. How many years do you think it'll take me to be happy about this thing? Because you were pointing out the other day when we were driving across West Texas that I wasn't happy then and that I'm way happier now. So why am I still angry that she left when it really was the best thing for me? Uh, that's the justice part of that, I think, is... Um it's hard when it's another person involved to not get attached to needing that person to be on the same page or like so, for some reason we we uh, we connect forgiveness to apology and we connect it to like closure. Forgiveness is a process about you and from you and it has nothing to do with the offending person. I feel like I could forgive anyone for almost anything if they just said sorry for it if they were just like hey sorry man i'd be like oh okay yeah but if they don't and they like borrowed my pencil and never gave it back i well that that comes from I'm two things gonna... number one you're assuming that they give a fuck whether or not you <laughs> forgive them you think that the forgiveness is an exchange between you and that person but it's not it's an exchange between you and yourself it's about you accepting an experience that you had as being valuable as an experience in your life and detaching from the need for it to be closure between you and the other person because it, that person was a vehicle for you to have that experience. You, you have gained so much from this person breaking your heart. Why do you need them to apologize to you for it? Because it was rude. <laughs> Because that's what you do in a polite society. No, it doesn't no, hold water. No, no. Oh, God. All right. I clearly have a lot to think about. <laughs> uh, let's let's wrap. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go cry or something. <laughs> Make sure you... <laughs> Tune in next week. We're going to talk about Tinder. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, everyone's like bummed out at the end of this. I thought there'd be way more meth stories. Yeah. Well, you're gonna. I'm gonna set up a Tinder. You're gonna walk me through it. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah, set. You- I decided. I thought I was. I thought I was too old for Tinder, and then I saw no all the bitches that you were swiping past, and I was like, oh, there's hella forty year olds on this thing. Which I do. I don't set age limits. I have no age. Well, no, I sorry. Really I have no, I have no upper age limits. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have no upper age <laughs> limit. I don't swipe on 18 year olds. Uh, the, I started at. What's wow. the, what's the know. oldest? Is, you can go up to like a hundred years old on there. But like, yeah. And so there, and there's some gems out there. There's some gems that you will miss. If you're capped at 30, man, you will miss a lot of good ones. Yeah. Why would you cap at 30? Anyway, I'm, I've, I'm speaking to a lot of younger oh, listeners yeah. right now, but uh, okay, that'll be yeah, fun. That'll be next. That'll be the next one. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to Mormon and the Method, you guys. Bye. Uh, bye. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike.